Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. Today we're discussing sections 2.6 to 2.9 of 99 Bottles by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen. So we're going to continue test driving the shameless green solution to the 99 Bottles song. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club and check out rubybookclub.com to follow along. So Nadia, how did you find the reading this week? I liked it because, so we continued to test drive the solution. And because of the things that come up, we end up delving into how you make different sorts of decisions as you're testing. So I like the discussions around those. Yeah, same. I feel like in this reading, there weren't too many new concepts. Mm. It was kind of going back to some of the old ones that we mentioned before and unpacking them a little bit, exploring them, and really just using them and seeing them in action, which is really nice. So let's start with 2.6 called, is it hewing? Yeah. How do you say that word? I think hewing. Okay, it really reminded me of Hedwig from Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my gosh. To... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Not> to say that. <laughs> right? Yes. And it wasn't until I got to the end of the section that I worked out what hewing meant. Oh, I still don't know what hewing means. What is that word? <laughs> well, sticking. Sticking to the plan. Uh, oh. Because it talks about okay, how you might want to change course, but no, you must persevere. See, this is the great thing about this book. You learn about coding and you get a better vocabulary. Two yeah. Four hewing it to the plan yes and i was going to say i'd like to say for all the fans of the nadia sidebar sandy and katrina have just written <laughs> such a thorough book that there are just no avenues for me to to bring one in so i'm really <laughs> sorry about that and i hope you're gonna bear with us <laughs> with our lack of sidebars yeah so we are starting with 2.6 hewing to the plan and so here we are continuing to work through shameless green and we're trying to figure out when it makes sense to eliminate duplication when it makes sense to keep it and one of the things that we talked about is that we want to make sure that we have a full understanding of the problem and make sure that we have all the information that we can possibly get before we commit to abstractions and that's specifically a phrase that is said in the book it says committing to abstractions actions. And I really like that phrase because it it creates this relationship between us and the code where it's not just, you know, a random decision we're making. It's when we decide to abstract something, we are making a pretty important mm-hmm. decision. And that decision is going to have ramifications later on in the code. So we really want to think twice before we commit to an abstraction. Yes. And to help make sure that we continue down the same path before we commit to any abstraction. Sandy and Katrina ask us to think about the difference between a horizontal path and a vertical path. So shameless green, this is a horizontal path that we want to continue on and we want to get to before we worry about any other tangents. So certain types of refactoring, trying to dry things up, those can be seen as tangents on a vertical path. And the, the, the message here is that we have to complete the entire hor- horizontal path so we get a full solution in Shameless Green before we worry about any vertical digressions. And I really like this idea of this horizontal path versus the vertical tangents because when I was going through the 30 minutes that I spent at the very beginning of this book and the solution I came up with, I definitely felt that. Right. I felt myself going on this path and then pausing and saying, oh, let me fiddle with this and let me pull out my pluralized method. And mm. I didn't recognize it as a distraction. I, I thought that was you know, the thing I should be doing. But visually, I can 
I can see that that was a, let me pause, kind of go a little bit differently. Okay, now let's keep going. Let me pause. Let me go a little bit, you know, a little bit down and then let's keep going. So this idea of a horizontal path really makes that very concrete. Right. So given we're committed to going down this horizontal path, last week we discussed the test for verses 99 all the way down to two. So the next thing that makes sense is writing the test for verse one. Mm-hmm. And we've got that in listing 2.10. And it follows pretty much the same pattern as all of the other tests. We have a variable called expected, and that has the string for the for verse one. So one bottle of beer on the wall, one bottle of beer. Take it down and pass it around no more bottles of beer on the wall. So it's the most different so far in terms of the content of that verse string, but that's the same, the same sort of idea in terms of that's what we expect to get back. And then on line six of this listing, we have the assert equal method again, and we want to check that when we call bottles.new.verse with one as the argument, we get back the verse. So then we look at how we might solve this test. And I love this, this discussion that's coming up, Saron. I don't know how you feel mm-hmm. about it. I love this part. Okay. Do you want to tell us, do you want to tell our listeners why we love this part? Sure. So here we have a decision to make. We know that for verse one, we're passing in just, you know, one as the argument compared to verse two, we're passing in number two as the argument. They're pretty different. And now we have to decide if we want to add a conditional, which is the right decision to make, because again, we're trying to stick to our horizontal path and we want to just get to a point where we have the solution and we have all the information before we can do some abstractions. However, originally when we wrote the verse method, we were using if statements. So we had if the number equals this, then do these things, else then give these lyrics. And what we're going to do this time is we're going to change that if else into a case statement. So now it's going to say case number when one, give us these lyrics, when two, give us these lyrics, else give us the interpolated Uh, lyrics for numbers three through 99. And this to me was such a a crucial change. And Sandy and Katrina explain why that change is so different. And they talk about the fact that when we use if else, it implies that there's a really big difference in those different paths, that there's something really big and something to really pay attention to. But when we use case statements, it implies that actually they're mostly the same and they kind of behave the same way. We're just doing a little bit of matching at certain parts that are different. And in the last episode, that was one of the things that made me uncomfortable with the solution we had with using Mm. the EFL statement because it made it sound like the difference between verses 99 and through 33 were fundamentally different from passing in the argument of two. And I know that that's not how the song works and there isn't that really big difference. And so changing that if else into a case statement made it feel a lot better because now we're just saying there's a little bit of a difference, but it's mostly the same and it felt more representative of the spirit of the song. Yes, and there are a couple of things that I want to focus on in that the passage where Sandy could really explain that. The first thing is this idea of pseudocode. So what they do is they put side by side what they call pseudocode so that you can look at what a future reader might see if they're looking at the code. So the first code block just says if number equals equals one, and then you've got a comment of something. So they've taken Mm -hmm. up the actual code and just put, you know, 
something as a placeholder. Then it says else if number equals equals two, then the comment something else, else, and then a comment default. And then the second code block has case number, when one, something, when two, something else, else default. And the reason why I really like this because it's a way of being able to look at the structure and semantics of your code to draw out what the meaning is. And it touches on what Saron said, where she saw the if, if number equals two, and that was strange because that seemed really important compared to all the other verses. Whereas with the case, it, it communicates something different. And so I just thought that was a really useful way to start thinking about what what your code is communicating without mm -hmm. all the context of the specific case. Mm -hmm. The other bit I liked is when it says that if you switch from an if to a case, then this is an act of kindness towards your reader. <laughs> and I was thinking of you again, Zerod, because I was thinking you were really annoyed. You were annoyed by that, you I know, was. if number equals two. <laughs> and if you hadn't seen that, you would have felt much better about the whole thing. So, the, you know, you would have felt, you know, you would have felt happier. And so it gen you genuinely do see how the code can affect mm -hmm. people's emotions. <laughs> Yeah, and I had that highlighted too, the act of kindness towards your readers. And I thought that was that was really nice. And the next sentence actually says, intention revealing code is built from the accumulation of such thoughtful acts, mm. which is such a nice little message, a nice little reminder for all of us as we code and build products for other people. I just think there are so many little beautiful sentences in this book that are also <laughs> so deep and powerful. Like, I don't know. I, I think the, the writing is quite poetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very nice. So next, we're going to look at how to test and how to write verse zero. And so we are on our horizontal path. We're going to just keep going. We're almost there. We're super, super close. So we're going to write our next test, which is very similar to the other tests we've written. And here we have def test verse zero. And we have our expected variable. And that's set to no more bottles of beer on the wall. No more bottles of beer. Go to the store and buy some more 99 bottles of beer on the wall. And we're making sure that that equals what we get when we call bottles.new.verse and pass in the argument zero. And so here we pause a little bit and we reflect on what the difference is between verse zero and all the other verses we've had so far. And there are some pretty big differences. I think probably some of the biggest differences we've had so far. One is the fact that we're not just counting down to bottles because after zero, there are no more bottles. So instead of saying zero bottles, we're saying no more bottles, which is pretty big. Number two, in terms of the action we take once we've discovered we have no more bottles, we're not taking something down and passing it around. We're going to the store and buying some more. And the other really big difference in terms of just the, the numbers involved, because we're at zero, we end up at 99, which is different from how we've done all the other verses so far. So an obvious thing that we can do, again, going on our horizontal path, is we can add another case statement. We can say when zero, do no more bottles of beer on the wall, no more bottles of beer, go to the store, buy some more, nine, nine bottles of beer on the wall. Fantastic. So the, mm -hmm. the verse method is done. We have all the tests with them. And Sandy mm -hmm. and Katrina say that what we can take away from this implementation is that we understand some of the important ideas within this song in the sense that three to 99 are all the same. And you've got Three other unique verses, verse zero, verse one, and verse two. And they say that the reason why this code is easy to understand is because you don't have levels of indirection. It's a very straightforward, it's, it's essentially all on one level 
you know, you've got the Mm -hmm. case number, Mm -hmm. you've got four different cases. It's very straightforward at a glance to see what is going on. You don't have to keep a lot of context in your head. And I think this talks back to some of the stuff we discussed in earlier episodes when we were trying to ask the questions around, can I tell by looking at this code, what, 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 what things are similar, what things are different and go from there. Yes. So now that we know how to produce single verses, now we're going to look at how do we create groups of verses. And so now we're looking at section 2.7, exposing responsibilities. And so here we're looking at a new method that we haven't really played with yet, and that one is called verses. And here we're taking in two arguments. We're taking an A and a B. And before we figure out how exactly this method works and what it does, we have to answer some questions. So one question is around the arguments. We have to think about what order should they appear in, what exactly do they mean, and how should we name them, because A and B are not very helpful or informative. Next, we have to think about the arguments as a list. So are they going to be inclusive? If I pass in 7 through 10, am I starting with 7 and ending with 10? Or what exactly does that range mean? How does that work? And then finally, we have to figure out what argument values do we need to actually test? Because we can test a bunch of things at this point, but we need to figure out what do we actually need to try out in our testing. Right, because... You know, before we had 97 examples, now we've got some form of 97 factorial, I don't know, possibilities that we could chuck (laughs) into here. So what do we do? And Sandy and Katrina, similar similar style, say, let's keep things simple. So we, we go from higher numbers to lower numbers in the song. So let's start with the first verse that we're going to sing and go on to the last verse we're going to sing. It makes sense that the the arguments that you pass in are actually included. So we have an inclusive list. And then the simplest thing is, well, why don't we start with the first two verses? That's the simplest decision to make if we know we're mm-hmm. now testing multiple verses. And so the makes first thing we do is write a test for verses 99 and 98. So listing 2.14 it's called deaf test a couple verses. We, again, similar format, but this time expected is made up of two verses concatenated together. And I'm not going to read it all out, but it's the 99 bottles of beer on the wall verse and mm-hmm. then the 98 bottles of beer on the wall verse. And they're, they're joined by um, a new line in between them. And mm-hmm. then we want to check that when we call bottles.new.verses, passing in 99 as the first argument and then 98 as the second argument, we get those two verses printed out on the screen. Yep. So what's one way that we could make this test pass? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, one way if we're thinking about the simplest, easiest solution is just to write exactly what we have in our expected and right. put that in our versus method. So we have def versus, we're taking in two arguments, but doing it this way, we're not actually using those arguments. We just have a string that says 99 bottles of beer on the wall, and that just lists out the lyrics explicitly verbatim. written right there Mm -hmm. so that's what we could do it but given that we already have a method that prints out these verses this is where sandy and katrina say that so we spoke about having tolerable duplication and allowing it until we find the right abstraction but it doesn't quite make sense when we're duplicating things that we already have and we know we have because it's been tested Mm -hmm. so and there's a there's a There's a quote here that says, 
duplication is useful when it supplies independent specific examples of a general concept that you don't yet understand. Yes. And I think the point here is that we definitely by now understand the verse method, mm-hmm. given that we thoroughly tested it and we had 99 examples. Well, even more specifically than that, we understand the verse method and how it handles the verses 99 through 98. Yes. Right. And that's what I found so valuable about this explanation because it wasn't as simple as we've already done this, let's not do it again. It was we've already done this. In doing this, we've already explored and unpacked this specific example of 99 and 98. And we've already put that somewhere. We've given that a home. So instead of recreating that, let's just leverage the the work that we've already done and the understanding that we've already established. Right. And so therefore, given that we have these things in place, the simplest thing that we can do that makes sense is to fill out deaf verses. So we pass them two arguments, but as underscores, because we don't need to do anything more with them now. And in the body of the method, we call the verse method with 99. Then we have a plus. Then we add a new line break. Then we have another plus, And we add on the verse method again, but this time with 98. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the reason why this is valuable is because it shows how the verses method relates to the verse method. In that, the verses method is merely verse, the output of many verse methods concatenated together. <laughs> was that clear? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I got it. That was really good. <laughs> good job avoiding verses. You know, yeah, I was trying. That was good. That was good. <laughs> so here we pause and take a look at a couple concepts from chapter 28 of Test Driven Development by Example, which is written by Kent Beck. And in that book, he talks about three green bar patterns, and they are fake it till you make it, obvious implementation, and triangulate. And these are three different approaches that we can take to make our tests pass. So our first two attempts of testing versus one, which was the literal implementation of it, where we just copied and pasted and duplicated uh, a lot of code that we already had, and we're not really big fans of that. And then the second version where we leverage our verse method to create our verses method, those two are called fake it's because we know that they're very breakable. We know that they're not really going to work for other methods. And so they're not yet complete. And I'm going to challenge the name fake it because I don't I don't really like that it's called fake it. I feel like it should be called incomplete or something along those lines, because it's still, it's still a real test. It's just not, it's a brittle test. You know, it's, it's a, it's a breakable test. So, um, yes. Did you just say you're going to challenge something named by Kent Beck? Are you feeling okay? Yes, yes I did. <laughs> Kent Beck, you are officially challenged. Whoa. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do, we do big things on the Ruby Book Club podcast. You know, I'm going to tweet him with the exact, exact time stamp of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's gonna be hopefully he'll favorite that tweet too <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the other methods 
So after fake it, we talk about the obvious implementation, which is when you look at it and you go, obviously, this is the right way to write this method and to make this test pass. And in doing so, you end up skipping all these little small incremental steps that we've been taking along the way, like writing a very explicit literal version of that method, even though we know that we have better a better way of doing that. And so a lot of times this feels like something you want to do because it's so obvious. However, the cost of taking this obvious route and then being wrong because you made an assumption or you made some kind of guess, the cost of that is going to be pretty high down the line. And so Sandy and Katrina encourage us to not take that bait and to not choose the obvious implementation and to really just trust the process that they're showing us. And in doing so, we'll be able to skip out on those pain points later on down the road. Right. And the reason why it's so costly is because once you realize you're wrong, you have nothing to fall back on. You, you can't mm-hmm. like rewind a little bit, rewind a little bit. You've just got to go right back to square one. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And so they say that fake it might feel awkward. It might feel tedious, but over time it'll feel natural. So just got to trust the process. Got to trust the faking, yo. <laughs> And then we have the third one, which I thought was interesting. I'd never, I don't think I've done this style before, which is called triangulate. Mm. Was this, was this familiar to you, Nadia? No, as in, not as a term or not as an actual practice in the sense Mm -hmm. that if someone said, oh, just write a little test at once so that you can, I would just think that was maybe somebody rushing or just wanting to get them. Yeah, it sounds wrong. They know what the tests (laughs) are, not, ooh, I'm going to have this clever technique to force me to find the right abstraction. Right. And so in Triangulate, Ken Beck says that we can basically write a number of tests at once, and we know that they're all going to be broken. But once we write the correct bit of code, we know that all of our tests are going to pass. And so the idea is that by using triangulation, we'll be able to converge on the right abstraction for our code. Then there was a sentence here that I didn't understand. Maybe you understood it. Mm -hmm. It says, triangulation is such a useful idea that Shameless Green expands it from tests to code. Yeah, I don't know what that is actually talking about. So it says, you can expose a common underlying abstraction through the accumulation of multiple concrete examples. I guess what it's saying is that, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if the concrete examples it's talking about are passing in versus 98 and 99 versus two and four. Like, is is that the examples that we're talking about? I'm really not sure. I guess they're trying to say that you can use triangulation in with combined with shameless screen, because the whole point of shameless screen is that you need more information before you do an abstraction. And so this forces you to stay along that horizontal path but get the information quicker that's the best i've got Mm. yeah that kind of makes sense santa katrina if you're listening please feel free to clarify what that means thank you (laughs) (laughs) right so now we have the versus method working for 99 and 98 let's hit the other end of the song so that we can you know we faked it we faked it now so let's Let's unveil our fakery by writing a test (laughs) for verses two down to zero. So Mm -hmm. listing 2.18 in the reading, we have a test and it's def test a few verses. And this time the expected variable is made up of verse two. So two bottles of beer on the wall, two bottles of beer, plus verse one, one bottle of beer on the wall, one bottle of beer, 
plus for zero, no more bottles of billable, no more bottles of beer. And we want to check that we get those three verses strung together when we call bottles.new.verses with two as the first argument and then zero as the second argument. So once again, we look at how might we make this past. One thing that we could do is we could have another conditional and we can say, so we give names to our arguments because now we need them. So we call the first argument starting and the second argument ending. And one mm-hmm. thing we could do is we can say, if starting is 99, then verse, the verse method with 99 as an argument plus the verse method with 98 as an argument, else verse 2 plus verse 1 plus verse 0. Alternatively, we could do something a bit more abstract. So this is listing 2.20. And this time, the body of the verses method says, starting dot down to ending dot collect and then we have a block with i as the argument and i is passed into the verse method and then we join up all of the output with a new line so we've got a choice here we can do the conditional or we can do this abstraction yes as a sandy katrina say that we had this situation before when we were going to try and make the test pass for verse three in the verse method and in both cases we have many examples of the problem so this is back back then it was when we had our 97 examples and at this time we understand what the we very much have a clear understanding of the problem here which is given two verses just give me all the verses in between so therefore we don't need to do the step with the conditional we are safe to go on to the abstraction step so Sandy Katrina say that listing 220 with the down to and the block is the best solution because it passes the test and it also shows what the responsibility of the versus method is, which is given any two inputs, I can produce the range of verses that you need. Mm-hmm. That was a really good explanation. Nice job, Nadia. Okay, thank you, because I was... In, I was getting to the point where I was like, is this too long? Is this one long sentence that no, is not clear? No, I thought it was really good. Oh, thank you very no, much. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. So now that we have a really great verses method that produces any range of verses, the final thing that we need to look at is how do we produce all the lyrics for the full song? And so for this, we're going to move on to section 2.8, choosing names. And so here we do a quick review of the methods that we have. So we start with verse, we pass in a number. And then we go to verses where we have a starting and an ending. So we have these two arguments. And the final part of this is song. And so now we're going to focus on song and figure out what exactly that looks like. And so here we have listing 2.21, which is called song code. And we see a method called song. And in it, it calls verses and it passes in 99 and 0. And then that's basically the end of the method. So it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, What's in the method is exactly one line. And so here, Sandy and Katrina ask us if we even need this song method. If song is really just a method wrapping another method, then do we really need to have the song method? After all, we can accomplish the same thing just by calling verses 99 through 0. And this is where we talk about something really, really important, which is the point of view, right? Mm -hmm. As the developers, as the coders, this feels exactly like the same thing. 
But if we think about the message sender's point of view, if we think about the people who are using this API and who are calling these methods, if we ask them to just use verses 99 and 0, then that means that they need to know that the song takes two variables and that we need to start at 99 and we need to end at 0, which is asking them to understand how the song is actually constructed. But when we say, hey, just call the method song, they don't need to know any of that. They just know that they want to hear the 99 bottle song. And it made me think of, you know, originally when we started with this book, um, I, I had the question of, you know, how familiar are people with this song? Mm-hmm. If it's, I don't know if it's like a cultural song. And so I can imagine someone who just has never heard the song before, has no, no idea what the premise of this is, saying, oh, I want to hear that song. And for that person, they have no idea that there's a countdown involved Mm -hmm. right and so we want to make it really easy for them to say oh just play me the song and after they hear it maybe then they see the structure and all that but they shouldn't have to know that information up front i love the way sandy and katrina make it clear just how different it is when you've got the song method as opposed to expecting someone to call verses with 99 and zero so it says you know with the Mm -hmm. song method it's just a single dependency to use it you need only know its name and mm-hmm. I got the I got what they were saying with regards to, oh, you need to understand all of this other stuff with verses. But until I read the bullet points, it wasn't like, yeah, it really is a lot, which is this idea of you need to know there's a versus method. You need to know it's two arguments. You need to know which one is the starting one, which one's the ending one. And also that it starts on 99 and that it ends on zero. So you could mm-hmm. only know that if you know the song already. Yeah, exactly. And that's six different pieces of information that you just listed out that someone would have to know to use that versus method. So having that song method is actually very valuable. So next we move on to 2.9, which is called Revealing Intentions. And here we start off with another quote by Kent Beck that talks about the difference between intention and implementation. And Kent says, the distinction between intention and implementation allows you to understand a computation first in essence and later, if necessary, in detail. And so if we look at it in those terms, calling song is the intention mm. and versus 990 is the implementation. It's the how. It's the details that someone shouldn't necessarily have to know. So it's important to the public API. It's an important tool that we need. But just because it exists doesn't mean that song is not necessary. And this reminded me of a video that Rob sent recently on one of the Code Newbie chats about an a- how mm-hmm. APIs work. And it's this idea of, you're laughing, it's this idea of when you go to a restaurant, you just want to make your request of what meal you want. Mm -hmm. You don't need to go in the kitchen and see, oh, it's like chopped this way or sliced that way. So I thought that that really matters this intention versus implementation point. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. I love that restaurant analogy that works really, really well for the API definition, for sure. So now that we've established that we do need our song method, We are pretty much done with creating our shameless green solution, the solution that we started with. We've deconstructed it. We've written tests for it. We've put it back together and we've seen all the little decisions that we need to make to come up with the solution. And so our final version of it has our deaf song, 
method, which calls verses and passes in 99 and 0. Then it has our verses method, which has a starting and an ending. And then that calls our verse method, which has our case statement for the four different templates that we have, which has a condition for zero bottles, for one bottle, for two bottle, and then a default. So we've been able to do this for the most part by using TDD, except for that song method, which we introduce without actually writing a test verse, which is very, very bad. Sandy and Katrina, very bad, very bad. And can I say that it says mm-hmm. the alert reader will have noticed that the song method was introduced without first writing a test. I didn't even yeah. want to write it. I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> they can't have forgotten, surely. How could they do this? I was I was really stressed out by this. I was very allergic, very allergic to this. And I, I just brought myself to save the file. But I was like, oh, what are they doing to me? <laughs> okay, great. Because I was not the alert reader. I was like, woohoo, we have our shameless green. This is awesome. And then I read that and I was like, oh, oops. So now what we're going to do in our next section, or I guess next episode, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some of these tests and we're going to look at some of the gaps that we have. After all, we only have a handful of tests. And if we remember, we have 99 bottles and we think about our verses. We have many more than that, many more examples and variations that we can use. We only have a handful of tests. So next week, we're going to go into how to do those tests a little bit better, how to tighten those gaps and how to make sure we have our TD practices really well done so we can move forward with creating solutions for 99 bottles. Fab. So in this reading, we talked about the difference between if-else and case statements, and we want to know how do you feel about them? Do you feel like there's a distinct difference there, or are they all the same to you? Tweet us your responses at Ruby Book Club and tell us how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio. Don't shut down my display saying power off saving energy. Don't save energy. I'm recording a podcast here. Stupid machine. <laughs> <laughs>